we've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer. Tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And we love to talk branding on this podcast. And so a lot of times when we say the word brands, branding, we have this visual imagery of logos, of campaigns, of sports people and spokesmodels and all sorts of digital assets and so forth. But today we're going to focus on a very unique part of branding, and that's sonic branding, the power of sound to complement and to build your brand. And we have an expert in this area, Gina Isham. Gina, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. You know, we travel around the world talking to creative practitioners, Gina, and we're just so happy to be stamping our creative passport in your hometown of Sacramento, California. (laughs) Great to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. I'm really excited about this because I think that sonic branding and just sound design in general is more something that people understand than they think they understand. It's just that they have not been presented the information in the right box container. It's it's just a little bit of a slightly different thought process. But once you get there, it's just, it's like this Pandora's box of creativity and like blowing your mind of what you can possibly do with sound. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, and so many, many more instances or interactions with sound than we can even talk about. But we're going to delve into it and we'll cover as much as we can. Right. Maybe even just a little bit of definition of terms when we say sonic branding. How do you define it and what are some of the elements you think about? Sure. And thanks for saying, how do I define it? Because there's a lot of definitions for it. And through my research and my understanding, I come at this as a composer, lover of marketing, but I did start in sound and music design. For me, the word sonic is really important to focus on because sonic is actually waveforms. Waveforms is vibration, which is movement. So when you think of the word sonic branding, Most people go straight to like the NBC chimes or the Intel Pentium processor chip, musical, tonal, but sonic branding is anything that creates sound. And when you open up that Pandora's box, you realize, wow, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Like, yes, it's a niche industry, but it affects so many assets and nuances of your business and your marketing and your life in general. We all can connect to sound. Even the deaf can connect to sound because sound is vibration. And I don't know, I like this little story about Beethoven that some people know about, but when he was going deaf, he cut the legs off of his piano and he put his ear to the ground and he wrote, I think it was the Ninth Symphony, he wrote it on the ground banging the notes out so he could hear the vibrations. So even as pretty much a deaf man, obviously he had the context of music, but as a deaf man, he could still make music. He could still understand it. 
Oh, that's so good. As a foundation, this idea of vibration and sound. Gina, your work at your own company, Dreamer Productions, <laughs> you look at all those things that you were just talking about. It could be music and soundscapes. It could be jingles. It could be. But the things you're talking about that even go to transactional confirmations, app sounds and buttons and vibrations, it really covers the gamut, doesn't it? It sure does. It absolutely does. And the thing that I've really got on board with lately that I know that we're going to discuss is the small and medium-sized companies, the businesses out there, this is something that you can actually get your hands on and compete with companies like the MasterCard and Visas that are out there. You may do it a different way than them, but that's okay. Because if if sound is everything, you have so much that you can work with. You don't have to be a musician. This is not something that is a luxury that only the six, seven figure companies can attain. This could be as simple as you have a clothing store and you mindfully and purposefully choose the playlist that plays overhead. Rather than just picking some random top 40 station, you could actually curate and go, my customers tend to like classical music. My customers like jazz and just focus on that. And the cool thing about sonic branding is it's also just the sound in your marketing. So you don't necessarily have to go about creating a sonic logo or anything like that. It's just the sound that's incorporated in your branding. You just do it in a cohesive way. So if your fans like Taylor Swift and you're playing Iron Maiden, that needs to be switched. Um, this is it's not just a match. about, yeah. yeah, it's not a match. So it's, yeah, but anyway, this is terrific. Let's take off there because I do think that often, even when we wade into sonic branding and use some of these well-known examples, so people know that sound when you sign into Netflix, they know the sound when you've used your credit card, they know the sound when they've tuned into CBS or NBC or what have you. But I do think that they're missing the opportunity, even at a small business level, create that, whether it's in advertising or, as you said, in-store experiences or app development and so forth. Mm -hmm. Let's drill down on that a little bit. You've got some interesting research and statistics on how this could help even a small business. Yeah. So I grabbed some studies. This one is the best one. There was a study by Ipsos in 2020. And they compared ads with sonic cues versus the ads without sound. And when distinctive brand assets were used, those with the sound were eight and a half times more likely to be high performers. Visuals were ranked as only three times as likely. And this is the kicker right here. Only 8% of marketing assets even included sonic cues and or music. With that much effectiveness, eight times more likely, that's five times more likely than visual, which we all focus on. And only 8% of the marketers used these assets. We are behind. <laughs> yes, we yes. are well, so and if you're behind. trying to use data-driven marketing and you say, I could be one in 10 of my competitors <laughs> using sonic branding, and it would uh -huh. be eight and a half times more effective, mm -hmm. some data at least to try to experiment with. And if you realize that you don't have to necessarily go for that six or seven figure sonic branding package, that it could be just a matter of picking the right narrator for your ads, choosing where your ads even play the playlist idea. Maybe you have, <laughs> I like to use this example, say you sell electric toothbrushes. 
and you find out that you're want it to vibrate at a certain rhythm or something like that, or maybe the vibration is too much. And by bringing somehow getting rid of some of the vibration and the motion, you could get more sales. This all applies. Very good. And you had mentioned in one of your podcasts, which are terrific for people who want to know more about this topic, but you had even mentioned how dissatisfied people often are literally at the point of sale. Mm -hmm. Pick, you've advertised, you brought them into the store, you brought them into your shop. They've looked around, they found that great thing. And then yet yeah, we're leaving them with a feeling of disappointment at the cash register. Wow. Isn't that incredible? How, how do you address that? I just, I find it so fascinating that I followed a study that Sentient Decision Science did. I believe it was a year ago, maybe two. And they studied the point of sale sounds and what was going on and what was happening. And the companies are doing is they are relying on a third party associate or technology to end their point of sale. So there's a peak end rule that they were talking about. And what people will remember is the last thing, the last th the last point of interaction with your customer is the most crucial. That's the one that they will remember. And that is the part that people are just going, okay, I'll let this app take care of it. And whether or not this app has sounds or not, it's totally separate from what the company is doing. I just find that baffling. And the study showed the sound, whatever the sound may be, it did make a difference whether it had sound or it did not. And for me, that seems like such a simple thing to <laughs> remedy. So let's add some sound. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's not, but let's try something because you never know until you try. And then you try something else. Mm -hmm. Now is the time to do it because people aren't doing it. This is the time that you experiment. I think about the real thing here is whoever lands first lands it. So for example, Coca-Cola, does it just, is it just a Coca-Cola can that makes that crack fizz sound? No, <laughs> but when you hear it, your mind goes to Coca-Cola because they've been doing it for decades. So they somehow without an actual license, somehow licensed the sound of the pop fizz to represent their brand. So even if Pepsi or Sprite or Dr. Pepper did it, the first initial like wriggling of your mind, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s with all of the commercials, Coca-Cola doesn't mm -hmm. matter because they've already claimed that territory. The NBC Chimes, we were talking about this off camera. We could have ABC or CBS or whatever, all these other places do chimes. NBC has the chimes. You cannot compete with that anymore. It, the, when you hear the chimes, you know it's NBC because yeah. they've been doing it for decades. And anybody else, it's, they were obviously trying to copy or catch exactly. up or you know, echo mm -hmm. that. Exactly. Right, right on the coattails. In, in my branding work, we talk about at least six elements, but there's a likability factor even. People engage with brands. they And so we talk about jingles. We talk about even licensed music. A few episodes back, I talked with one of my pharma advertising colleagues just about the jingles that are used in pharmaceutical ads. Right. They're bringing up all the oldies and all the songs to make you think Dire Straits and Fleetwood Mac like this drug. Uh -huh. <laughs> so must be good <laughs> enough for me. But there is a likability factor, isn't there? Or a familiarity that we're trying to create with sonic branding. Absolutely. The opportunity that you have with sound is that you are focusing on another one of the senses. And the thing that bonds us human to human is our humanity. And if you can attain this 
sensorial connection, you're making your brand, which is usually an inanimate object, you're giving it a humanity. And so when you do that, it sounds so esoteric, but the more senses that you can attribute to your brand, or at least relate in one way or another through another sense, the more human you become and the more people can relate to you. And with sound, sound is so brilliant because, and the statistic is floating around everywhere, but we now have the attention span of less than a goldfish, Mm -hmm. right? Can't keep our mind on anything. I have so many tabs on my screen and sometimes I just have to close them all because it's just too much and I don't get anything done. So when our attention span is less than eight seconds, it's probably five, I don't know. You need something that gets in there fast and sound does that sound gets in there arguably i can't find the word but you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's a Faster. sonic brand arguably yeah. arguably there I we go arguably that is the word <laughs> faster than saying. visual because visual goes into your eyes has to be transmitted into your brain flipped upside down because everything's backwards and sideways and then transferred through again sound doesn't have to do that extra processing. It goes right in and right out. It's just such an effective way of marketing. And like the NBC chimes again, that's three notes you hear. And you don't even need the three notes at this point. Jaws, two notes mm-hmm. for like at least 10 bars before he does anything else creative. And you're done. You know exactly what it is. When we have such a short attention span and so many platforms and digital spaces and electronics and chaos that's going on in our world, We got to get in there fast. And the fact about sound is it gets in there fast, but it stays too. When you think about a sound like NBC chimes, it brings you to a moment. It makes you happy or it makes you think of this. It makes you think of that. And that's all you had to do was find the right music, find the right tone or atonal sound and launch it. It's crazy. Yeah, I love that. While we have your attention, since we've been talking about attention span, listeners, I'm talking with Gina Isham, a sonic strategist at Dreamer Productions. And so if you look her up, it's Dreamer without that last E. So D-R-E-A-M-R Productions. Now, Gina, we've been talking about the client side or the business side of Sonic Branding. I'd like to turn the page and talk a little bit about you and your background and how you got into this thing. You have really embraced audio and sonic branding in a big way. What was your background and how did you come to this part of the field? You're the first podcaster that switched it up like that. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It really changes. I want to talk about unlocking creativity. Yeah. I I can't assume that one day you said, you know what? Sonic branding is my aim here (laughs) without (laughs) some background. Yeah. No, it wasn't even a thing when I started this. I don't think that word was officially a word yet. Yeah. I started in music as a composer. Before I went to college, I wanted to be Sarah McLaughlin. And realized real quick that I'm not a performer. I feel a lot better with pencil and pen in my hand, pencil and paper. And so I went to school and I got a degree in composition. And then I wanted to be John Williams. And that was really hard because there's five guys that do it. And it's really hard to break in there. Women are getting out there. Respect for that. And then... I did a lot of dabbling in production music, which was frustrating because you never actually get to talk to the client about anything. It's just like toddlers and tiaras or duck dynasty or what does that mean? I don't get it. Um, So I did that for a little while. And then after, after a a bout of that, I came across marketing. My husband and I have an audio video production company. And so I was merging them together when we got married. And so I was like, we got to figure out how to market ourselves. And I 
just started to dive into marketing and fell in love with it. And I was like, gosh, this is so interesting how people put themselves out there. I wonder how they're using sound in marketing. And I was shocked to not really find anything. (laughs) And so I just started to dig a little bit. And then a person reached out online to me just randomly. And he said, I'm looking for this three seconds of music to play for a startup for my piece of hardware. And he gave me the specs for it. And I was like, okay. And so I went back and I wrote some drafts and I sent him three drafts and I was like, which one do you like? And he said, I like the second one. Here's the check. This is a draft. I can flesh this out. No, don't touch it. Here's the check. And I was shocked. And I, and that was how I came into this whole sonic branding thing. I was like, this is something. This worked much better for me than working in production music where you got this like arbitrary spec for something that may not even get placed. It goes into a library. And here I'm talking client facing and I got it right. And so I just started to do some more digging and I was like, what is this sonic branding thing? And no one was writing about it. No one was talking about it. I have a Google alert set on my email and it was set for sonic branding. And I'd get one email a week like every, now like and then. <laughs> every now and then of this article that sort of talked about it, but not really. So what I discovered was the people that were working in sonic branding were too busy to actually talk about it because it was such a small group of people. They were busy. They were doing these things. So that's how I started the podcast. I was like, I want an education on this. And so I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to start podcasts. This is for me, really. I want to learn. And so I would interview these people, these reputable people that were doing the things. They were in the field at the time. And so it was a selfish thing. I used it as my own education. Through that, I started writing articles because they weren't out there telling other people about what's going on because I got so excited as I discovered sonic branding and sensory marketing and how it works psychologically and the metaverse and voice first technology, all of these things that I like I had no idea even existed. And then just through this whole rabbit hole of things, I discovered that the educational part of it is probably the most important part. Because whenever I talk to somebody and I tell them about sonic branding, by the end of the conversation, they're like, oh, okay. And a lot of times I start seeing that sparkle in their eye. They're like, ooh, ooh. And they're thinking of thoughts independently of me. Oh, it could be this. Oh, I could do that. And I just realized that once people get it, it's just going to go crazy. But the education part of it is not there. And a big stumbling block is that People think that it is only for the MasterCards and Visas. And people, we have the World Wide Web now. It's not like we have to spend five, six figures on a broadcast television ad anymore. That was then. This is now. We have this open market of technology that we can portray ourselves any way we want. We can compete with the MasterCards and Visas. Yes. And those big brands, of course, are the top of the pyramid. There's only a billion more brands and small businesses under that. What about the the listeners of this podcast who might be singer-songwriters, composers, even voiceover? You've talked about a lot of examples. How could those types of creative practitioners really maybe open up, investigate, and explore more of application of their creative craft in sonic branding? What would you suggest to them? That's a good question. There's a lot of VO artists that follow me and that I communicate with a lot. And I think that it's just about finding your sound, sticking with a certain way that you portray yourself, not to spread out too thin. Like for example, 
when I was music, I unfortunately said, if somebody would ask me what I, I write everything, you don't say that. <laughs> you have to pick a lane. I do whatever gives me the check. <laughs> yeah. What's going to pay me? I'll do it. No problem. Skrillex, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, no, I won't. But anyways, I think with the VO artists as well, it's pick a lane, decide what you're doing and own that sound. What was your other example? The voiceover artists and musicians. Yeah, musicians. Especially with musicians. Don't say you can write everything. Please don't say that. There is a very small number of people that can do that. And even if you do, if you've got an executive that needs something five sec five days ago, which is always, they need to know, okay, this person does, this person does, this person does this. You can't just go, oh, this person does everything. I'm going to call this person. It doesn't happen that way. So if you're the one that specializes in Chinese Indian hybrid fusion music specializing in jazz. I don't know. They're going to remember that. And there's going to be something and it's probably going to pay high because that's really intense that they'll go to you for. And I have so many friends that did that where they made a connection because they were that guy or they were that girl. So pick a lane and choose it. It may feel like you're letting go certain aspects like, oh, I'm letting that job go. Oh, that job would have been perfect. But really what you're doing is you're just honing in, you're narrowing in, and it's going to be that much easier for you to market yourself because your elevator speech is simple and simplistic. And you'll be able to go, okay, that person is who I want to contact. That person isn't niche enough. And then you just weed through all the different lanes. Yes. It, it helps in the long run. And let's talk to another type of creative who often listens to this show. And that's maybe the techies, the developers, the coders, they're developing mm -hmm. the apps. You've got some great examples on your website of you think this is just an app. And if you're the coder and programmer out there, what should we be thinking about all the elements that happen within the app, how to add sonic branding and how to add a sound component that would make this more appealing? Yeah, I've worked with an app company before and we had a fail. They asked for the kitchen sink and I wrote the kitchen sink. And then when we put in, it was a bunch of functional sounds and everything like that. And when we put it into the process that was going on, it was too much. All of us agreed that it was too much. And I feel like it might have potentially scared them away because it was just, whoa, this is too much. We need to just, uh, let's back off. Let's go somewhere else. But I learned a lot from that. And what I learned from that was, Yes, sound is great. Yes, sonic branding is great, but it doesn't have to be everywhere and it's not appropriate every time. So the main thing that I would suggest for coders and developers, UX designers, and my UX designers will agree with me on this. What is the functionality? What is the purpose? Is it necessary? And sometimes silence is golden. Sometimes it's just refining a sound. It's not necessarily founding, finding a tone. Like I said, sonic is sound. I just, I think that's the most important part. What is it that will be functional? What is helpful to this? Everything else put to the side for right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of these developers also are trial and erroring as they're figuring out what their app can do. That, I think that's the time period that we're in now is I have something. How do we utilize it? How can we best provide a service to someone. And so I think that as people use these apps, they also come up with new functionalities for it. So maybe there's a sound that you had to put on the side because it's for this part of your app that's not even there yet. Yes. Some of those in the brand experience, in the signing in, adding to the cart, duplicating, removing, mm -hmm. all these things. You're saying if you overdo it, that can 
kind of deter from the experience too. Absolutely. I think that the sounds for carts, I think that those are very helpful because sometimes you don't know if you clicked the button all the way. You need that extra assurance that something went through. Same with the POS sounds, the point of sale sounds. I think that's important so that you know that your card got accepted or declined or whatever. But (laughs) if you go way too fancy and you've got like a 12 second functional sound saying, I've just added something to the cart. That is too much. Best example for that, my husband, it drives him crazy because he's a filmmaker. When they run the production companies before a movie, and there's yes. usually five or six production companies associated with one movie, especially like the, the big movies and stuff. And he gets so frustrated because some of them went way too crazy on their logo. And it's this animated thing that plays out for 20 seconds. And you got the idea before that. You don't need to use up all this screen time. You don't need to use up their time. They're in a hurry. That's probably why they're purchasing online anyways. All you need is to give them assurance that it went through, that they did what they asked, that they wanted the technology to do and move on. Yes. And you've talked about collaborations, especially maybe with voiceovers and so forth. I think I was introduced to you from Jody Kringle, one of my voiceover friends. We met on a clubhouse platform talking about sonic branding. And you're reminding me of the movie discussion, that Mm -hmm. movie by its soundtrack sometimes. And just the sound itself, you could play two notes of Jaws, for example. Uh You could play two notes of Saturday Night Fever, and you could play Mm -hmm. two notes of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And of course, all the Oscar winning films connected to that. So the really the sonic strategies have really permeated a lot of mediums. Absolutely. I think that it's more noticeable in the movies, like the James Bond franchise. Gosh, mm-hmm. they are the best at it. That is 100% sonic branding. It's brilliant how they bring in all these different artists and they just weave their little soundscape in there. So I think that the movie industry is the easiest for us to relate to because it's entertainment. But What we have to realize is, especially in the world that we're in now, where we can have anything we want, like, honestly, we have everything at our fingertips. We have information, we have technology, we have stuff, we have blah, 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 blah. But we want to be entertained as we're purchasing these things. It's all about entertainment. It's all about keeping our attention and our interest. So it makes sense that the entertainment industry would bleed into the consumer product services and goods industry. It's just not as apparent yet, but it will be. There you go. When I ask you about the future, but before, make sure we know where to connect with you, learn more about your work. How do we find you? Sure. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm always sharing articles that fascinate me and connecting with people online there. I also have a website separate from the Dreamer Productions and it's called soundinmarketing.com. And there you can find the podcast. You can also find coursework. I have another course coming up in a couple of months that's specifically about sound strategy for small businesses. So there you go. But there is another course on there as well if you're interested. That's also where I share my resource articles that I share on LinkedIn. I publish it once a month over there. And then dreamerproductions.com, D-R-E-A-M-R. It's on the screen right there, <laughs> productions.com. And that's my main, my main site, my main source. So I do everything from sonic strategy and consultation to sound design and sonic branding. Fantastic. We're going to connect with you in all these places and make sure we keep in touch. Let's look towards the future. A lot of these sonic brand applications or places didn't even exist five years ago, or if they did, they were very fledgling. What do you see coming up? What do you have your eye on and what are you looking out for? Some people hate this word, but I'm going to say it anyways, 
metaverse. And I don't know what exactly it's going to look like. I don't think that it's going to be Zuckerberg's vision of it because he's more thinking of it as a hardware, like his, what is it? Oculus, just like being in the electronics. So So it's more than just VR. It's more than VR. I think that really the idea for me for the metaverse is blending the digital world with the physical world. So if you think about cryptocurrency, which I'll not go far into that because it's confusing, but the fact that you can use crypto online, but it also applies to like, some people will take rent and utilities Mm -hmm. in crypto. It might've changed because the valuation went down, but at some point it did. But then it can also be something that we could use in a situation like COVID. What if the metaverse gave kids a better education option where their Zoom and their Google Hangouts, a lot of kids just step back from that. They couldn't handle that. But if it was more engaging and more immersive, potentially there could be something in that, in the Robux and all of that stuff. So the metaverse, I think is really something to be paying attention to because if they want it, if they want it to be a more real environment and for people to be the most immersed in it, the only way I know how to immerse is through senses. And so sound is going to play a huge part in that. I was thinking of like, there, there was a fashion week was actually held in the metaverse last year or the year before. And I'm just thinking of if there's going to be these digital shopping malls, like going back to the eighties and nineties, when we'd walk through the shopping malls, you were bombarded with sound. There's a use for sound there. If for some reason your storefront becomes a digital storefront where you find a place over there, you're going to need to have it play sound. What is your customer in there going to look like? So I think that's really something to be paying attention to. And the market to pay attention to is Gen Z and Gen Alpha are going to decide what's going to happen. And they're all on board for digital immersive content. That's great. And we won't have to drive them to the mall. They can just show up in the metaverse mall. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. That's good news for my little kids. (laughs) In fact, Gina, before we go, I'm going to be talking to Craig Dobbins in a week or two. And he is the composer of all the music for NCIS LA, Hawaii, and a lot of the crossovers. And so what questions would you have for a composer working in the TV space about Mm -hmm. sonic branding and how they create that work? That's a good question. First off, my in-laws and my parents love NCIS. So (laughs) that's wonderful. I would say, how do you keep it interesting? NCIS has been on for a very long time. And I know that you have to keep consistency because it's a well-oiled machine, but how do you keep it fun for the audience? And how do you keep it fun for you so you don't lose your mind doing something boring? Very good. I'll be sure to bring those. Gene, I can't thank you enough for a wonderful conversation. Thank you. This was so much fun. It's a great part of branding. We don't talk about enough. And it really combines, uh, like you said, my interest in music and sound of all kinds with branding. And where that overlap is a fun place to be. So thanks for sharing all that with us. Absolutely. I love talking about it. So anybody reach out to me and we'll have a conversation. Yes. And all her coordinates are in the show notes. It's Gina Isham of Dreamer Productions. So listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our creative travels literally all over the world to unlock your world of creativity. We'll see you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love.
Our podcast is supported by Adobe and the Adobe Creative Cloud, the world's best creative app and services, so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast using Audition, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud, and let's make something better, unlocking your world of creativity.